We're talking about the armor of God. I've been talking about the armor of God, and, and what prompted me to want to talk about the armor of God is, so here's the encouragement, but let me tell you, to be very real and honest with you, what comes with the encouragement, what comes with the rah-rah, and what comes with the getting y'all psyched up is that the minute you walk out of here, there's an enemy who wants to bring discouragement. There's an enemy who wants to get in the middle of that and who wants to lie to you. There's an enemy that wants to make you think that you're unworthy of uh, service, that you're, that you're, you know, there's somehow you're tainted or there's somehow there, and he wants to put doubt in your mind. There is a real enemy. And that is why when Paul pins this letter to the church of Ephesus, that he tells them, put on the full armor of God every single day. Every single day, put on the full armor of God. I, I, I have this sense, and I, I'm kind of speaking more to the, the, the church at large, not just our church, but you, know, you may relate. But I kind of sense that the, that the average Christian is getting a little beat up right now, right? Would, do you feel that way? You kind of feel like, man, I, I just, I feel really just beat up. I feel like the world is just, I mean, to be honest with you, I, I want to get away. You know, stop the world. I want to get off, right? I don't like this ride anymore. I'm, I'm, I, I, you know, I, it's too much. It's too stressful. It's too, I can't take it anymore. That even, you know, when I talk to Christians, they have this look in their eye like a deer caught in the headlights. Like, I don't know what to do anymore. I just feel opposition, opposition, opposition. You know, our, our families are broken and hurting. My, my job, you know, it stinks. I, I hate my boss. I'm, you know, I mean, on and on and on and on. You know, schools, oh my goodness, right? I don't, I, we have a high schooler. I pray over, I pray protection over her every single day because I'm fearful of our schools, And it's sad. It's sad that we live in a day and age where we have to feel this way. But Paul says, put on the full armor of God. And I'm going to read it to you because I love Paul's encouragement and I love Paul's instructions. If you have your Bibles, you can open them to Ephesians chapter 6. I do have notes uh, for those of you who like to keep notes. Did anybody not get one when they walked in, a, a, a notepad or a notepaper? We have, we, we could, our ushers could, and we're good, okay. Ephesians chapter 6, starting in verse 10. This is Paul the Apostle writing to a, a, a church just like ours. He says, listen, a final word. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. That's for you. That's, Paul wrote this for you. Right? Because he's writing to the church and we are part of the church. A final word, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. There he is. There's our enemy. Paul's saying, listen, don't, don't be disillusioned. Don't be you know, lied to or tricked into thinking that there is not opposition. There is. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you will still be standing firm. And here it is, verse 14. Stand your ground. 
Stand your ground. And this was kind of one of the words that I was getting for the church is, you know what, we kind of have happy feet. And what do I mean by, by happy feet? Well, when, when, when the going gets tough, you know, the, the tough become whiny, right? We, we, don't, we don't, you know, the, the going gets tough. We're supposed to, the tough are supposed to get going, right? And we, we have the tendency to get as Christians, as the body of Christ, as, as the church, to get a little whiny and go, oh, wait a minute, God, it wasn't supposed to be this difficult, you know, when I became a Christian, I thought everything was supposed to become easy. I thought that everything was just going to be handed to me. You know, I thought God was just going to like, you know, he's just going to kind of lift me up above all of the mess and I was just going to float, you know, like this across all hard times. That is so not true. I have literally felt like I have taken a, a headfirst dive into darkness sometimes. A headfirst dive into tough times. Just because you become a Christian does not mean that life becomes easy. And I love the encouragement that Jesus says. He said, he said listen, you guys, the world, it's going to be difficult. It's going to be tough. It's going to be hard. You are going to have opposition. There will be persecution. But then Jesus says this, but hey, don't fret. Don't worry. Do not fear. Because guess what? I have overcome the world. We have already won. We have already won. So listen, even though he may not lift you up over your problems, he is definitely going to walk you through them. And that is why Paul is saying, listen, put on the full armor of God. Be ready. Know that there's going to be opposition when you start stepping out in faith. Verse, uh, let me start again at verse 14. Stand your ground. And then he starts with the, the armor. Putting on the belt of truth. The belt of truth. And we, we talked about this a couple weeks ago. You know, that he starts right with our belief system. What do you believe? Because right there, that's where everything hinges. Either you believe that God is the God of the universe or you don't. You either believe that Jesus Christ came to save you of your sins and that he is the, the, the Messiah and that he is the Son of God, or you don't. And you either believe that you are a child of God or you don't. See, the problem is, is there is a war for the truth. There is a constant war for the truth. Have you guys seen, um, and, and by the way, I, I am not, I just want you to know, I'm not getting uh, like political or I'm not uh, uh, picking on any one side or anything like that, but but there was this news, I just saw the clip on Facebook, and there's this news, and you guys know that there's a the hurricane going on on the you know, East Coast and everything like that. So there's this guy, right, and he's reporting, and he's in the storm, right? And he's, and he's got his rain jacket on, and he's got the, the, the microphone, and, he's, and he's, the wind's blowing, and he's, he's doing the thing where he, you know, he's pushing into the wind, and he's trying to hold himself up, and it looks like he's going to get blown over. Anybody seen this video? Yeah, yeah, okay. I, I love it. Because then right behind him, these two guys in shorts and, and, and like light sweaters come walking behind him like this, like nothing. <laughs> like nothing. And, he, and what, what's great is he, stays, he sticks with it. He's committed. And he's like doing the thing. And he's pushing against and he's reporting that the storm is bad and that things are. And then here are these guys just cruising along like this. What I love about that video is, you know what, there is so many spiritual applications of that. That's us, right? We're going, oh God, it's terrible, oh my God, the windstorm, the blah, blah, blah. And then, there, you know, and then it's just like, no, it's not, it's fine, you're good. Settle down, 
settle down, right? It, it's, it's the truth versus the lie, right? The, the enemy wants to lie to you and says, you're going down. Hold on. You know what I mean? The storm is coming. It's going to take you out. But the truth says, no, God's got this. God's got this. I can walk through any storm in my shorts, right? In my flip-flops. I'm good. But that's the problem. We, we struggle with our belief system, the belt of truth. The belt, the belt was literally the piece that, that would have held everything together, would have, would have held you know, his, his tunic and it would have, you know, where he would have put his sword and his knife and all his fighting weapons and things like that. The belt of truth, it literally is, is the very basis. It's our belief system. The body armor of God's righteousness is the, the second piece of armor. This is a vital piece. This is a piece that protects our very vital organs, our, our heart, you know what I mean? Our, our, and, and, and the body armor uh, of, of righteousness. You see, there's a difference between being self-righteous and, and God's righteousness. See, we can't live in our, our own self-righteousness. We can't make ourselves right is basically what that means. Only God can make us right. And when we understand that, when we stop living, uh, you know, it's trying to make ourselves right. And, and okay, so Pastor Matthew, well, what do you mean by that? Well, hey, if I'm a really good person, if I go over here and if I serve at this food bank, you know what I mean? If I, if I do this, if I do that, it's kind of, it's that idea of works. If I just work really hard at being a good person. And Jesus says, no, there's actually only one way to get to God. And that is through me. That is through my righteousness. You see, it's God's righteousness, and when we finally give up that idea, that false idea that it's not by our works, it's not by anything that we can do, and we clothe ourselves in the righteousness of God, then we're protected. Then we're truly protected. The shoes of peace, I talked about last week, I talked about the shoes of peace. This is a place that I find many Christians, and I talked about the picture of, of, of Jesus in the boat, right? There was the storm, the raging storm, and Jesus is asleep in the boat, in the storm, and the disciples are freaking out. They are panicked. Now, by the way, some of these men were fishermen. Some of these men had experienced this before, and it still says that they were losing heart, that they believed that they were going to die. And they go and they find Jesus, and they shake him, and they wake him up, and they say, Jesus, we're going to die. And Jesus very calmly gets up, stretches a little bit, rubs the sand out of his eyes, looks at the storm and says, peace, be still. But that wasn't the end. He turns to his disciples and he said, why did you doubt me? Why? We think that the, the story is all about, oh, Jesus performed a miracle. He, he, he calmed the storm. See, I believe something. I believe that if, if they had truly had peace in knowing who was in the boat with them, Jesus didn't have to calm the storm. They would have known we were going to get through this. See, too often, you guys, that's us. We're in the boat, and Jesus is in the boat with us, but we're still panicking. We're still running around going, oh, God, oh, God, it's bad. Oh, I'm going to die. Oh, this is awful. This is terrible. And we don't realize the God of the universe, the God of the wind and sea is with us in the boat. Why don't we just trust him? 
And we cry out and say, save us, save us. And what does he do? He calmly gets up and he says, peace, be still. Peace, be still. And I, I felt like I feel now, I, you know, I felt it last week that there's many of you that that's your life right now. You're scared, you're frightened, you're worried, you're stressed, and you need to be secure that the God of the universe is with you. He may not even have to calm the storm for you because you're going to be able to ride it out with an absolute peace. The shoes of peace. Today, we're going to talk about the shield of faith. The shield of faith, a believer's certainty. A Roman soldier's shield measured approximately two by four feet and was made of wood covered with leather. In that day, soldiers dipped arrows in oil, then lit them and shot them at the enemy. These shields were vital to protect the soldier from getting burned. Satan is going to fire flaming arrows of doubt at you, and he wants to place subtle doubts in your mind about God and his truths. He knows a spark can ignite a big fire. You will need to feed your faith and starve your doubts. You will need to feed your faith and starve your doubts. That is all the enemy is doing is every morning you wake up, he is sitting there, he's preparing, and he's launching these flaming, fiery arrows at you of doubt. God's not going to save me today. God's not going to be there for me today. God's not going to provide for me today. God's not going to heal me today. God's not going to sustain me today. All those lies being fired at you, and that is why Paul says, but take the shield of faith to protect yourself. Guard yourself. Extinguish those fiery flames. What is faith? Hebrews, Hebrews says it perfectly. In fact, Hebrews chapter 11 gets into this whole you know, story and, 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 and all of the stories of faith. But this is what Hebrews 11 chapter 11 says. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Verse 2. For by it the elders obtained a good testimony. By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. You see, we live in this temporal, in, 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 the, in the flesh. We can't, we, we, we can't see you know, into, the, into the spiritual. And so because of that, we have to live by faith. We have to live by the things that we cannot see. And, and, and for those of you who have lost hope, you guys, it's okay to hope. It's okay to hope again. I know it hurts. I know because if you say, if I hope for this, I may be disappointed. It may not happen. It may not come true. And so there's this hope that hangs out there that, that causes fear. And then fear causes doubt. And then what happens? And then we're just back to where we were. We're in the boat and we're freaking out. But God is saying, listen, I need you to, to put that shield of faith before you because then the enemy is wanting to lie to you that it's okay to hope again. It's okay to believe again. That I, he wants to train you to, through his Holy Spirit to see into the spiritual. 
To not see with your fleshly eyes, but to see into the spiritual realm and what God is doing, not in what is happening around us. You see, faith and hope, you guys, go together. Faith and hope. And I, I feel like I sense some of you are, are losing hope. Or it might be some of you who are kind of, you're wrestling with that. Because it almost hurts to do it. But I want to encourage you not to give up. I want to encourage you to, to put up that shield of faith to protect yourself. Believing in the unseen. That's what we are as Christians. We're believing in the unseen. We're crazy, Right? We're crazy, you know, like the world says, you know, we're, we're, that, that's what, that's what uh, uneducated people do, believe in things that don't exist. That's what uneducated people do. Well, let me tell you something. I may not see Jesus physically standing before me, but I see the effects of him in my own life. I see the fruit of him that come out of it. I see with my own eyes, I see him heal the sick. I see him raise the dead. I see him cha- transform people who were once, you know, drug addicted, who were once gangbangers, completely change their lives and become preachers and become people who are sharing the love of God. Only a real God could do that. I may not see him with my own eyes, but I can see the effects of him. I see the testimony. And that is why, you guys, we play a part. Because you want to know when people can see God? is when we start believing that we're one of his children. When we start walking in the spirit, then that's when they'll go, have you ever heard anybody say, there's something different about you, right? There's something, I, don't, I can't seem to put my finger on it, but there's something different about you that even when you go through difficult times and trials in your life and things like that, why is it that you still have that stupid grin on your face? Why is it that you still got, you know, praise God, it's going to be a good day. You know what I mean? How is it that you can do that? Well, that's because the God of the universe lives inside of you. That is because, you know, I believe and I have faith in what I cannot see. There are three kinds of faith, you guys, I believe. There are three kinds of faith. First, there's the faith in our salvation, Right? There's the faith in our salvation. There's the faith that says that I believe that I'm saved. That I believe what Jesus did on a cross. You see, the Bible says this, that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, then you will be saved. Then you will be saved. That's all. It's, it's belief. It's confession. You know what I mean? It's saying that I believe. So there's that faith in our, in our salvation. There, then there's that stepping out of the boat kind of faith, right? That stepping out of, uh, of the boat kind of faith. And, and, and that's the faith that exceeds our human limits. That's the faith where it says, the, the, you know, the boat edge is about as far as I would normally go. But I'm going to step out. I'm going to believe. And so there's this story, and maybe some of you have heard it, and it's in Matthew you know, chapter 14, verses 22 through 36, and, and, and the story goes like this. It's actually very similar to the other boat story, except one thing, Jesus isn't in the boat this time. 
Jesus isn't in the boat. In fact, you know, they had been ministering and Jesus sends them, you know, across and says, listen, I will catch up with you. And isn't it interesting that they didn't question him? How are you going to catch up with us? Right? We're going on a boat. Are you going to catch the next ferry? You know what I mean? I mean, were there these ferry boats that went back and forth and they just assumed Jesus would catch the next one? I mean, how did they assume that, oh, he'd catch up with us? But Jesus says, you know, go on, go on. I'll catch up with you. And of course, you guys know, Jesus does not need a ferry boat. So there it is, once again, right? They're back where they were before. The storm is raging. The, the, the sea is, you know, swelling and the water's coming up over the boats and they're freaking out again. They're panicking. But this time, what's different? Jesus isn't in the boat with them. And then they look out over in the boat and what they see what they believe looks like a ghost. And they see something walking. But then Peter, right? Good old Peter. Peter says, no, 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 it's Jesus. It's Jesus. And without any doubt in his mind, he says, Jesus, if it's you, call me out to you. And I love that. I love that part of the story. And so Jesus says, well, come on out, Peter. You want to come on out here with me? That's great. So Peter, you know, I would imagine, you know, grabs his tunic and stuff and he goes flying over the boat. And he's just, I just imagine he's just, oh, this is, oh my gosh, Jesus, Jesus. And then Peter starts to look around and he starts to, wait a minute, what did I just do? What did I just get myself into? And then he looks down and realizes, I am walking on water. But he takes his eyes off Jesus and he starts to sink. He starts to literally drown, it says. And Jesus grabs him. I love there's a painting. Anybody ever seen that painting? And it's actually... The painting is from the viewpoint of what would be Peter in the water, under the water. And there's Jesus just above the water with his hand, just smiling with that confidence and that love, like, oh, I got you. I got you. And he pulls Peter up out of the water. And now here's the interesting part. Here's the part that, that nobody ever kind of really preaches on. How did they get back to the boat? How did they get back there, Right? I think we all had this picture that they were maybe so close to the edge of the boat, but if they were that close, then Peter would have just reached out and grabbed the edge of the boat. I believe that they were a little too far from the boat. You know, I, I, we have maybe this other picture that Jesus just kind of, you know, tossed him back in the boat and Peter, oh, and back, you know, and, and, and that was kind of the end of the story. Here's what I believe. I believe Jesus picked Peter up out of the water and held him. And I believe they walked on water back to the boat. Because no longer was it about Peter anymore, and now it was about Jesus. And now he had faith enough for both of them. And they walked back on water, back into the safety of the boat. There's that stepping out of the boat kind of faith. Then there's that faith, that gift of faith. That, 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 faith, that faith, you know, the, that Jesus says that your faith has made you well. You, you kind of heard Jesus say that in some of his in some of the stories in the Gospels, it says, your faith is what made you well. One of the stories, and actually, I want to read it to you. And this story gets me every time. This story gets me every time. It's in Mark chapter 5, starting in verse 21. And there's actually kind of two stories happening, happening simultaneously. It says this. Jesus got into the boat again and went back to the other side of the lake where a large crowd gathered around him on the shore. Then a leader of the local synagogue, whose name was Jairus, arrived. When he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet, pleading fervently with him, 
my little daughter is dying, he said. Please come and lay your hands on her. Heal her so she can live. Jesus went with them. And all of the people followed, crowding around him. And a woman in the crowd who had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding. She had suffered a great deal from, uh, deal from many doctors. And over the years, she had spent everything she had to pay them. She had gotten no better. In fact, she had gotten worse. She had heard about Jesus. So she came up behind him through the crowd and touched his robe. For she thought to herself, if I can just touch his robe, I will be healed. And immediately the bleeding stopped and she could feel in her body and she had been healed of her terrible condition. Jesus realized at once that the healing power had gone out for him. So he turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched me? His disciples said to him, look at this crowd pressing around you. How can you ask who touched me? But he kept on looking around to see who had done it. Then the frightened woman trembling at the realization of what had happened to her came and fell at her knees in front of him and told him what she had done. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Your suffering is over. I just, I have this picture. Here's this woman, so desperate for the touch of Jesus, so desperate for healing, so desperate for a miracle that she was willing to get on her hands and knees and crawl on the dirt and push her way through a crowd who was probably trampling all over her, stepping on her. She didn't care. And she reached out with every last bit of faith that she had just to touch the bottom hem of his garment. But she believed. She believed that she was touching the very hem of God, the very one who could heal her and save her from her affliction. You see, you guys, that's the kind of faith that we need to have. And I'm going to be honest with you. I feel like sometimes we're not desperate enough. And I don't mean that to, to make you feel bad or to, or to put you down or to even break your spirit. I'm just saying that because of that story, because of that scenario, God healed her. She was desperate desperate, and she was willing to do whatever it took, crawling on her hands and knees to be touched and healed by the King of Kings, by the healer, the very one who could heal her of her affliction. You guys, we need to have that kind of faith because here's what happens. We, we have the tendency that the moment we walk away from a gathering like this, we're, we're filled with joy and we're we're feeling good, and, you know, we've been encouraged. Oh, that was a great sermon. Oh, worship was great today, and all those things. But the reason why Paul says to put on the full armor of God is because Monday comes around. Oh, I forgot about Monday. Everybody hates Monday. Poor Monday. What did Monday ever do to you? But what happens is the enemy's ready. 
And he's got his flaming arrows of doubt. Saying, no, no, everything that you start, all that faith that started to well up in you, I'm going to extinct, I'm going to take care of that. And that is why, you guys, we need to renew our strength. We need to put on the full armor of God. We need to wake up and we need to say, not today. I am going to believe what the word of God says. I am going to put my heart in such a place of such reliance and desperation and trust in God. And I'm going to have faith for the impossible. Faith for the impossible. That's the kind of church, you guys, I want us to be. That's the kind of church I want us to be. The last thing is, and it really goes along with that gift of faith, that gift of faith only comes when we're filled with the Spirit, when we're filled with God's Holy Spirit. That is where that gift of faith comes from that works miracles. 